0: now, Let's show our appreciation for the team here tonight, Dan and the guys. Travel to be with us and God, what a blessing they've been to us tonight. And it is a great, great privilege tonight to have Pastor Chris Mickelson come to be with us all the way from London Hillsong. So come on guys, Chris is a wonderful friend. And I'm telling you now, these guys could be anywhere tonight. But you know what? They've chosen to come here to bless us. So come on, let's honor Pastor Chris and welcome him tonight. Amen. Well, how are you? You good? So good to be here and uh, so good to have the team with us as well. So good. Why don't we thank them? And you may take a seat and do what you do. Have a smoke out the back or whatever you guys do at uh, this time, I don't know what you guys get up to, but uh, I appreciate that you're here. And um, isn't it good to know when the preacher's got a timer? Isn't that good? It's just, you know, for me, it's just always reassuring because it's always good stuff, but it's just to know, good to know that it's not going to go on forever and uh, we will get home. So let me just start this timer. Put it down here or somewhere like that where I'm not going to stop it accidentally. But it's good to be back. I think we, like like Dan said, we were here in March. And, uh, you know, we really have uh, a really, you have a big partner um, in our heart in, in, in Hillsong. And uh, we love you. We love your pastors, Dave and Faye, incredible people. And uh, they are, they're amazing. <laughs> and, you know, as much as us being here and, uh, you know, I suppose being here tonight and, and leading you in worship, it's, you know, I want to say to you too, it's us being here to say we're with you, you know what I mean? And we, and we believe in you, and, and it's not just for a year or two, we're believing that you're going to do something incredible in this town and uh, in this nation, and um, we want to be part of that, and uh, we want to sow into that, so I truly want you to know that tonight, and I'm looking forward to see what God does actually here in years to come. People that come to know Jesus, our friends and our family and all that kind of stuff. So love you guys. Believe in you. And um, I've got a message that uh, really I'm wanting to uh, speak tonight. You know, it's for me, for me, it's been an interesting year. It seemed like it's gone so quick. You know, I was... Um, you know i'm from I'm from New Zealand originally um so that was thirteen years ago we came to London my wife and i I came to play uh rugby up north and um just for kind of it wasn't anything professional or awesome uh but you know and I walked into church in London and uh you know i I encountered Jesus and for me, it was a slow journey because I loved this thing called uh beer um you may have <laughs> You may have heard of it before, and uh, really, God did a work uh, in me, and uh, has just seen my life transform slowly, bit by bit, day by day, and month by month, Um, and uh, I find myself doing this. My brother, I went to the Olympics this year to watch my brother. He plays for the New Zealand Sevens rugby team, and uh, he was was captain, and uh, we're going to Rio to hopefully get a medal, Uh, but uh, we didn't. We... This team called the Fijian Rugby Team won, and uh, they're quite mean and quite big um, and quite fast. So they did really well, which was awesome, but uh, hopefully, you know, in the years to come. And then in recent times, this little place called Ireland beat the All Blacks for the first time ever, which is uh, pretty sad, really. Uh, But anyway, and tomorrow night, I'm getting to speak to the South African rugby team, uh, and I'm really just wanting to encourage them. That uh, they they can do it. It's kind of hard because I um, you know, I love rugby. I love New Zealand. You know, I love all the other rugby teams as well. Uh, but I remember New Zealand were playing South Africa, and I was having to speak to the South Africans, and it was I was kind of torn. I was like, I want you to win. Kind of, not really. Anyway, I want you. you know, I want you to be encouraged uh, to do your best and come second tomorrow. But uh, you know, so I'm I'm praying. And uh, hopefully I can encourage, encourage them tomorrow as they head to Twickenham for the big match. But I'm not here to talk about rugby. I just know how much Welsh people love rugby. So uh, that's why I feel so at home here. There's um, a great book by Pastor Brian Houston called Live, Love, Lead. You may have read this. You may not have read it. But I really want to encourage you to, I haven't come here. I haven't driven all the way to Wales to tell you to buy a book. But it truly is a book that's full of faith. And it's full of hope. And I don't know what season of life you're in tonight, like pray, fade, uh, like Faye prayed before, <laughs> pray, fade, uh, Faye prayed um, when she said, you know, you may have had all this kind of stuff going on your week, and that's true. And when you stand up here, you just speak faith and you speak hope. And um, I know that Brian's words to you tonight are true and the real and the Bible based. And I really want to just read this out at the start of my message, really just to set the context of everything that I want to say tonight. So here we go. This is what Brian says. The best is yet to come. I truly hope you believe. Who believes that here tonight? I hope you do. For your family, for your business, for your relationship status, for whatever you're going through, that your best days are ahead. Brian says, it's a declaration into the future. My firm belief um, my firm belief that even the unknown can hold the greatest potential. And I think, I don't know if people realize that or know that. I think sometimes we think the known, like what we know has the greatest potential. But the fact is, as we step out, it's actually in the unknown that holds the greatest potential. It's the days that are yet to come. It's the untried. It's the untested. It's the unproven often that bring that is our future. And I want to encourage us into that tonight. The Christian life is a life of unexpected adventure. It's as exotic as the Australian outback. He's obviously writing that from Australia. He's never seen the Welsh outback, so uh, I don't know about that. Or it's as everyday as a cup of coffee. You can start wherever you are. It's never too late. Even if you've taken a few detours and encountered some dead ends along the way, you only have to follow the greatest guide who ever walked the path of life Jesus. Living fully, loving completely, leading boldly. These are the hallmarks of Jesus' time on earth. Whether you're taking baby steps or giant strides, walking on water or running on empty, wherever you are in your journey of faith, Jesus is the ultimate guide and companion. Jesus lived fully present in every moment, every day. He gave His attention, His heart, His energy to those around Him who needed Him even as He advanced God's kingdom in the most dramatic way possible. He alone provides us with a model of a big, wide, open life fully lived. We are all born with God-given potential to change the world around us. When you follow Christ, you can have confidence that despite the mysteries, the setbacks, the disappointments that follow, the path Jesus leads us on is a path full of life both in this age and the age to come. I love that. Jason, can I get you to catch that? Just because there's no room up here, so thank you. Um, You know, for me, when I read that, I truly want that to be the context. I think some people might wonder why there's a person standing on stage kind of talking at you in an excited manner. Um, Because we actually want you, every person who stands up here or in this church wants you to step into your God-given potential that we all have something to add to this world. We all have something to add to the people's lives around us. And I think sometimes we can spend a lot of our life just wondering and being held back by our own thoughts. But truly, you've got to know your best days are ahead of you. Because as we start to grasp that and believe that, then I think we can step more into what God has for us. I think for you, you young guys and girls down here, that can be easy for you to know. You're like, my best days ahead. Yeah, because you've only been on the planet 12 years, you know what I mean? Like, you don't even pay bills. Like, you, you know, you don't have a car that can break down yet. You don't, you haven't eaten too much food yet, you know what I mean? And All all that kind of stuff. So the the fact is, it can be easy for these guys up the front because their best days are ahead of them because they haven't had many days. But I think the longer we're on this earth, like I'm 40 now, I know, incredible. And um, what I've come to realize is I I love getting older. Like I love it. And you might go, You're crazy. What are you talking about? Well, the reason I love it is because I realize I'm not as good as I thought I was when I was 18 (laughs) or 12. Um, And I need Jesus more and more every single day. Like, I need Jesus to brush my teeth with me. I need Jesus in my marriage. I need Jesus to be friends to people. I need Jesus in my life to turn up to work with a great attitude some days. I need Jesus in my life just to live this life. And the beauty is I've nearly failed at every single thing that I've tried, which means that I really need God's grace every single day. And I think sometimes the Christian faith gets kind of painted as this, we're meant to become perfect like Jesus. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) You know what I mean? All the best with being perfect. No, no, no. For the rest of our life, we're going to get up every day and we're going to try and we're going to be good enough some days and other days We're just going to have a shocker. And the fact is, we need Jesus on every single one of those days. And I want to encourage you with that here today. Because I think some people think they've got to be perfect, and that's why they disqualify themselves. And that's why I love Dan's scripture that he read tonight, that nothing can separate from the love of God. Nothing. I think when you get that revelation. So tonight, I really want to speak from that context. The best is yet to come. And I want to speak really from the thought of how important a godly perspective is on your life because I think it's important and I think it can really change your life. So I wanna read from Acts chapter 16. Um, so if we turn there, if you've got your Bibles, I don't know if people, many people bring Bibles to church because there's big Bibles up on the screen um, up there. So you can take a look at that. I'll just, this story is about Paul and Silas. Um, if you know anything about these two guys, Paul was a guy that wrote two thirds of the New Testament. He was um, probably one of the most notorious sinners around, you could say. You know, I don't know if we'd let him into church these days um, and lead him anywhere near, you know, helping people because Paul's job was to kill Christians. And he was amazing at it. He was incredible. He went around killing them, doing best that he can to just wipe them off the face of the planet until God met him on a horse. It's a long story. You can read it, okay? And he encountered God in a real way And really turned his life around and actually moved forward. And I think we've got to realize up front that if Paul can change, every single one of us can change. Every single person. And you know, the fact is, if you don't think that person can change or you can change, what you're saying is what Jesus did on that cross is not true. Because he came his his life, he gave his life for transformational power. It means any person on the planet can turn their life around. They get a second chance, a third chance. So I love the story. This is a story about Paul. Like I said, it's about Silas. They're walking around, they're doing their day-to-day life, you could say. And this girl comes up, and this girl's a fortune teller, and she just keeps annoying Paul and Silas. So she keeps you know, like, you know, that person's like, hey, hey, you know what I mean, just annoying. And Paul just gets annoyed. He turns around, he says, he, he pretty much heals her. He, he delivers her, and she's healed. And she's like, wow, this is incredible. But the fort, her fortune teller boss was making a lot of money out of her being a fortune teller. So he's all angry. He's all ticked off. He gets a mob of people, gets them before the officials and says, these two are bad news. And then we pick that up in verse 22. When it says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer ordered them uh, to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stock. So he puts them into maximum security. It's not like one of those friendly, nice jails where they've got like Sky TV you know what I mean, and, and, and snacks, a snack fridge, and all that kind of stuff. No, no, they're going to the inner dungeon where there is uh, the big rats, and it's super moldy, and they can catch all types of stuff, you know what I mean? So that's that's where they are. And then it all change around verse 25. I love it. This is probably where the music would start, you know what I mean? And it would kind of just turn all beautiful. And it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. So pretty much, there's an incredible miracle. God came through. It's a miracle. It's amazing. God, aren't you awesome? Look what God did. Fantastic. And the jailer woke up to see the prison doors open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. See, this guy was a public servant. They say that, All the great, all the good soldiers would come back and finish their career as taking up these jobs. But the punishment for um, people escaping was that you would have to kill yourself. You know, these days when we do appraisals, you know, you meet with your boss and they say, you know, last quarter wasn't so good. Um, You know, maybe, you know, maybe you can work on 10 prisoners not escaping this semester. This, you know, go for it. But no, no, this guy would get murdered, you know, get killed if. if he didn't meet his KPIs. And uh, that, that's what happened in this story. But Paul, being, you know, the man that he was, shouted out to him and said, hey, don't, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Yeah, awesome. What an incredible story. They shared the word of the Lord with him and with everyone who lived in the household and they were all saved. What an awesome story. I love that story because the story is a story of these guys going about their everyday life like we are, getting into trouble like we do, <laughs> and then God coming through with just this incredible miracle, like God moving and God doing incredible things, and then there's salvation at the end of the story. You know, for me, when I've been reading this story in recent, in recent times, you know, I think as I've read the story over the years, what surprised me and shocked me has been what God has done. You know, the miracle of God, like the earthquake. The chain's falling off, they're like, "I'm free, this is amazing, you know let's let's be free, you know <laughs> and go and go about everyday life. But you know what I've come to realize really, for me, the surprising thing in the story and the thing I really want to talk about tonight is I, the fact is I'm not actually surprised by what God did, I'm actually surprised how they responded. It's not the response of God that I think so amazing, and oh, we need to celebrate and be like, whoo. I think it's the response of the two guys that are in a terribly hard situation, and they can barely get up. Because why would we be surprised of God? Like, think about it. God's just put that down there. God's got things covered. You know, like God's able. God can do it. God's a miracle-working God. God's the God of freedom. God can move in people's lives. And you know, when God says, um, you know, when He writes in the Bible, "You are healed." And we pray. Why are we surprised that we're healed? When God says that He'll provide for you, we're like, "Oh my gosh, God actually provided!" And God's like, "No kidding, I've been waiting thirty years for you to get that one." You know, Malachi three, He says, "Test me in this. Wait to see that I open the floodgates of heaven when it comes to finances." And I think it's us pastors' fault, to be honest, because I, you know, what we do? I think we get the person up here who's God's done a miracle in their life, and we're just like, "You know what, everyone? Do you know what, church?" God said he would do it, and guess what? God did it. And we like, and we all celebrate like God's a freak show, you know what I mean? Like, he actually, you know what? God actually did something. And I wonder why we're so surprised. And I want to know why we're so shocked when actually God said what he'd do in his word. Don't you think that's a bit weird? Like, we celebrate it that much, and I think it should be like someone should come up and go, you know what? I had. I had something going on this week, and I was really sick, or I had an injury, all this kind of stuff, and, and God healed. And we go, cool. Hey, what's on TV tonight? Like, have you, you know what I mean? Or, or who's playing football tomorrow? You know, and, and, and you just kind of brush past it, because it's just an everyday occurrence that God said He would do it, and God actually did it. Instead of being like, oh, this is amazing. This is just the most normal thing. That you could ever do because I love in the Bible when God says that He is able and God says that He is with us. Because if we truly believe this word of God, you know, why would we be shocked? And I think as we live out this Christian life, we get to know God. Because I want to just give you a few scriptures where God says that He is able and that God can help us. So, um, Romans chapter 4, verse 21 says this it says that He was fully convinced this is Abraham, that God is able to do whatever He promises. So you know what? Don't be surprised this week when God does what He promises to you. Like, don't be shocked. Don't be like, oh, this is amazing. Instagram it, tweet it, Facebook it. Just just think, thank you, God. Now what's for breakfast? You know what I mean? Like, amazing. You know, when when, um, that... In Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, it's talking to the guys that were going to be thrown into the fire. Um, And it says, if we are thrown into this blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Don't you love it? That God's actually able to save you. I don't know what your situation is tonight, but God can save you from it. God can rescue you. God can redeem you. God can be there for you and help you through that. So don't be surprised when God saves you from your situation. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know who I believed, and I'm persuaded, here we go, that He is able to keep what I've committed to Him until that day. Other versions say, I'm able to last the distance. I'm able to guard against falling away. And you might be thinking, man, this is a long Christian life. Well, it says that God is able to keep you on this journey till that day that He has committed. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 says that God can overcome. Verse 18 says, Since He Himself has gone through suffering and testing, He is able to help us when we are being tested. So when it comes to temptation, when it comes to testing, God is able. And if the God of the universe is able to help you, that must fill you with joy tonight here in Wales. It does when I'm when I've been reading this and sharing this and speaking this, if God's word says it, I'm choosing to believe it that God is able to. So don't be surprised when God helps you when you're being tested. The word of God also states that God, that God's location is close to us. And I think some people think God is this God a million miles away, you know, he's 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 away. But Deuteronomy chapter one verse thirty says that God is before us. Verse thirty says, "The Lord your God is going ahead of you; He will fight for you, just as you saw Him do in Egypt." So don't be surprised when God fights for you tonight. God is behind us. Isaiah fifty-two says, "He will not leave you in a hurry, running for your lives." For the Lord your God will go ahead of you. Yes, the God of Israel protects you from behind so God's ahead of you God's before us God's behind us Psalm 18 says that God is above us verse 16 uh, some sorry Psalm 18 verse 16 says he reached down from heavens and he rescued me and his everlasting arms are under me God is beneath us so don't be surprised when God is your refuge and he carries you And He's under you. So God's before us. God's behind us. God's under us. God um, surrounds us. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, Psalm 125 says, the Lord surrounds His people. So God surrounds us. He's before us. He's behind us. He's above us. He surrounds us. And then Psalm 23, verse 6, probably my favorite thing that I could preach every single week, if these guys would let me, would be surely... God's goodness and God's unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. So don't be surprised when when God is for you and God is guiding you and the Holy Spirit is with you because the Word of God says that He's your comforter and your guide and He's with us and He's before us and He's behind us and He fights for us and He's able. And I think if you really want to realize that your best days are ahead, you've got to realize that God is able to do it. And if anyone can do it, God can do it. He can turn it around in a moment. He can change your marriage around in a moment, in a second, your relationship status. Whatever it is, God can move in your life. And I think when we start believing that God is the source and God is who He said it is, it changes everything. You know, there's um, Gary Clark, our senior pastor in London. When his son was eight, he went to the football with another guy, one of our pastors at church. They're walking in to watch Chelsea. I don't know if you like Chelsea. It's not really important in the context of the story. But um, they're walking into the Chelsea stadium. And Tim Douglas, who was the youth pastor at the time, says, man, I would love a Chelsea shirt. And Jaden just takes off his Chelsea shirt and he hands it to Tim, and says, I want you to have this. And Tim's like, I can't take this. I can't take this from you. I can't take this. And Jaden goes, Tim, please don't offend me. You need to take this because you're an idiot, because my dad will just buy me another one. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know, I know my dad will just buy me another one. I know my dad. And if I give it to you, I'm, I'm not saying he wanted next year's kit. I'm not saying that. Okay, but he gives him the shirt and he just says, duh, my dad will buy me another one. He knew who his source was. He knew how to ask his dad, obviously. But but I think it's like that, that with God that we can walk around with a confidence that knowing that God is for us, God's on our side. And you know what? I can actually be generous today. I can be friendly. I can speak life into other people. And when we start to know that, it's amazing how it changes your life because you think about these two men. My, my personal keyboardist can come up wherever you are uh, here, here tonight. You know, you think about these two men. Here he comes. He's such a good man. Yeah, here we go. He rides a motorbike. Did you ride your motorbike here tonight? Did you ride your motorbike here tonight? bit cold. Yeah, okay, yeah. But what's so incredible about this, these two men is that these two men—that's why the story is so incredible to me. Because it's unusual the way they respond. It's not normal. It's not natural. It's so unnatural the way they respond. They are beaten. It, it says that their feet are in their feet. Their feet, <laughs> their feet are in stocks, and their hands are in stocks as well, which was a form of torture and they're being beaten blue, and they're standing there in this kind of like position where they feel like they're being, well, they are being tortured, and they probably feel like they're being tortured. And I don't know about you, and I don't know the way you respond every single day, but how would you be feeling at that moment? How would you be feeling? Like, if that was like Jason, this is my friend Jason, if you just stand up and do a, um, do a little twirl. He's from Scotland. I think he's from Edinburgh or where he's from, somewhere in Scotland. Anyway, it's not important. But if Jason and I were in prison together, and say Jason was Paul and Jason had um, healed that guy, I'd be like, thanks, mate, for healing that girl. And straight away, I'd just be blaming. I'd be like, I can't believe you did that. you got such a short temper. It always gets us into trouble. Look where it's got us into now. And then I'd just like start hating him. You know what I mean? I'd be like, trying to like, pull his kind of leg to make him be in more pain or something like that. That's kind of how like horrible I am. And then I'd be like scared. I'd be like freaking out. I'd be like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen tomorrow? I don't know if I can get through this. This is too scary. This is this is freaking me out. And then I'd wanna quit. I think what would come next would be this ministry thing, what a waste of time. <laughs> and I don't know about you when, when things get tough, but you know, say work's annoying, I know with my brother, when it comes to injuries and it comes to stuff like that, it's like just the first reaction can be just to want to quit when life gets hard, when relationship gets hard. I want to give up on them. I want to end this thing. I want to stop it moving forward. When it comes to work and your boss is being all bossy, you know, or whatever they're doing, we can want to just react to them like these guys. Because, you know, the thing is, I, I don't think the story is about Paul and Silas so much. As I think it's about us. I think we're Paul and Silas in life. And I think the question tonight is, how do we respond when we're in everyday situations that find ourselves in like these two? Because, you know, I, I, I've I spoken to homeless guys on the street, to other people in, I, I you know, I, our church is in Surrey and all around the place, but some of these people that I've spoken to in Surrey, I've gone into their house and I'm like, I did not know that it's humanly possible to build houses this big. You know what I mean? You're like, whoa, this is like their toilet. You know what I mean? It's like, "Wow, this is incredible. It's amazing, these, these places. And what I've come to found, find is that whether they're there or whether they're there, I find that everyone can bring the situation down to where they're just hating life, hating people, hating their situation. Because you know what you've got to realize in life, guys and girls, here tonight? my Welsh friends is that the biggest battles we're going to face are the battles on the inside. They are. They're not. I, th- I think... We've got to stop blaming other people. The biggest battles of motivation and the biggest battles of passion and the biggest battles of attitude and all that kind of stuff. And the problem is that we deflect and reflect that to other people. We're like, no, it's them and 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 it's them. And it's them." And, it's them. and my dad said this thing to me when I was younger and I never understood it until I became 40. Um, I just thought it was annoying. So what your parents say will become awesome one day and, and and it's awesome now okay as well but but I remember that I remember Dad saying Chris the problem with people is that they can they can be in this job or this relationship or this situation quit and then they come over here this job situation quit, this job situation quit all of that kind of stuff and he said, you know what the problem with that is? wherever you go you take yourself And I was like, yeah no kidding. But what I've realized is that you take all your attitude, you take all your internal rubbish, all your internal stuff wherever you go. And there's some people just walk around this earth blaming everyone else except themselves. They take no responsibility. You know, they're, they're always at the scene of the accident, but it's not their fault. And I think we've got to take responsibility because these guys did. They weren't blaming and they weren't quitting. And they weren't hating. And the one that I missed was sulking. Because I think I would have asked to change cells. You know what I mean? And been like, I want to be with some other people, you know. And just gone and sat in the corner and sulked and wanted to give up. But these guys didn't do that. And there is two things that they did that I want to leave you with tonight. The worship team can come up now. Two things they did. Super simple. They sung songs. They sung hymns. And they prayed. Two points that I want you to remember. They sang hymns and they prayed. Do you know Do you know why they, they, they prayed? And do you know what prayer represented tonight? I mean, in the story to them and what it represents tonight? Because you know what I came to realize? I was walking back from the coffee shop the other morning and I started thinking about prayer. Why did they pray? Why did they pray? Why did they pray? Why is it so important? Because you know what I started to realize is you can't quit and still be praying. If you're praying, you haven't quit because you still think there's hope. You, you, you still think that there's a chance. You still think that God can come through. And I want to encourage us here tonight that, that maybe you have stopped praying, but there is hope and we've got to keep praying and we've got to lift our prayers to God. And if you are praying, continue to pray because the, the moment you have no hope is when you stop praying because you think there's no hope but there is hope. Tim Keller says, prayer is conversation. It's both a conversation and an encounter with God. We must know the awe of praising His glory, the intimacy of finding His grace and the struggle of asking His help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of His presence. Charles Spurgeon, famous pastor in London, led, led, has led the largest church in London in history. He said, I would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. That's how important he, he said prayer was. And if maybe you're here tonight and you're at the end of yourself, you're just like, yeah, but, but there's no hope. Perfect. <laughs> Matthew 5 verse 3 says, and the message is, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and His rule. Verse 4 says you're blessed when you feel like you've lost what's most dear to you because only then you can be embraced by the one most dear to you. What prayers do you need to pray? What prayers do you need to start praying? What prayers do you need to keep praying? Because Jesus, I wanna tell you, was all about prayer all about talking to God. There's a story in the Bible about the persistent widow. And this is a story about just this lady who, um, (laughs) Jesus shares it as an example. And it's a story of this lady who goes before this wicked judge. The judge is not a nice person, but she just comes up, she says, can I have it? Can I have justice? Can I have it? 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 You know how some kids do all the time. Can I have it? When you're at Tesco's, you know, can I, can I have it? 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 And the judge is just like, have it. I just don't care anymore. You can have it. And Jesus goes, that's how we should be with God. We should ask and we should keep asking. And I was reading this the other day, I was side stage, and it, it literally stopped me in my tracks. Like I actually stopped. I was just reading and I was like, dun, dun, dun. oh my goodness. Luke 18, verse 1, at the start of that, Jesus goes, One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and they should never give up. The whole point of that story was to prove to you tonight to always pray and to never give up. The thing with prayer is, I've come to realize, is that it takes a humble approach. Because it's you realising your need of someone outside of yourself. It's actually you going, I cannot do this myself. I need to be saved. I need a saviour. I need Jesus. And I want to encourage you tonight. I don't know. I kind of don't know who people are tonight. I don't think it really matters if I do. Because God knows you. And He knows the prayers that He wants you to pray Because it says in Ephesians 3 that God wants to do more than you could ever hope or you could ever dream. And I think we limit God by our prayers. We don't get what we want and need because we don't ask. I want to encourage you to just keep praying to God. Start praying. Continue to pray. And my last point before we sing is about singing. It's about singing hymns. So they prayed and they sung hymns. Why did they sing? I don't think it was to make them feel good about, you know, just singing. They weren't singing Justin Bieber songs, however good they are. You know, they weren't singing any, they weren't singing the top nine at nine. They weren't singing anything. They were singing hymns instead. And I love it because hymns are the Word of God. And hymns a scripture that you're singing over yourself. I love it. Jack Hayford says this. He says worship changes the worshipper into the image of the one being worshipped. And for me, that talks about what. What are you singing? Like what are you worshiping? What are you speaking over your life? If prayer represents hope then singing represents faith. Because what are you saying over your life? See, the Bible talks about the theme of the heart. What What's the theme of your heart? Because it becomes the story of your life. And I think some people just speak negative words over themselves, over their children, over their husband, over their wife, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, darling, you're always like this. No wonder she's always like that because you're saying that. No wonder your kids are always like that because that's what you're speaking. No wonder your church is like that because that's what you're saying about it. And I love my wife and I love my friends and I love these guys because you know what? They don't treat me as the leader and the preacher and all that that I am. They treat me like the person that I can become in Christ. And they believe in me more than I believe in myself. And that's faith. And that's what these guys are doing. They're not not speaking how hard things are. They're singing over how things can be. They're singing, God, you are able. God, you are a redeemer. You are faithful to save. You can do it. They're not singing songs like these country songs that I I noticed. There's one country song that that I found on the internet and it says, cold and lonely. I'm still on the farm, and I'm cold, and I'm lonely. I never meant any harm. It was way too much for my wife. I'm now cold and lonely, living out a hopeless life. I'm cold and lonely. The winter hills are bare. Kathy's crying. She must be the person. Cold and lonely. No more kisses. Goodbye. I'm so cold, and I'm lonely, and life sucks. And it's terrible, and there's no future, and there's no hope, and nothing good can happen in my life. And that's the biggest load of rubbish that you can ever believe. And you know what? Maybe people have even sung that over your life. Maybe people are singing that over your life right now. It's not true. The word of God is the only thing that's true. And I think we're gonna sing it over ourselves and we're gonna sing it over other people. That's why you need friends in your life. Some people are like, you know what? I'm going into world, I'm going into the world and I'm going to win the world for Jesus. Yeah, but who's speaking hope and faith over you? Why do you think we come to church? Why do you think we have connect groups and small groups? I don't know what you call them here, but just people that believe in you more than you believe in you. People that are friends to your destiny. People that just sing songs that there's a hope and there's a future and that the best Yet to come, I'll finish with this and then we'll sing. John 14, verse 13 is Jesus speaking. I love this because maybe you've been praying prayers, maybe you've been singing songs, but they're not about Jesus. Because this is what Jesus says Ask, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything. In the name of Jesus, in my name, and I will do it. Isn't that incredible? Let's ask in the name of Jesus. Who believes that here tonight? Who believes that we can ask in the name of Jesus? And the name of Jesus will come through. Because when you know what's in the name of Jesus, you know everything can change. Because I want to tell you one thing with Jesus. Jesus just didn't get tortured. Jesus just didn't get locked in a cell. Jesus just didn't do that for you. No, no, Jesus went through that. Jesus died on a cross for you. He gave His life. He just did not live a hard life. He sacrificed His life for you. And He laid it down so that you could have everything. And He's just saying, you know what? Dave, tonight, ask me. (laughs) Ask me for anything. Ask me for that relationship to be all that it can be. Ask me for my career to be all that it could be so I can bring glory to God. See, you might think it's over, but it's never over. I read through this Bible, the Bible, God, God didn't use Moses till he was 80 years old. And God used him to lead a nation out of Egypt into freedom. So you might think your best days are behind you, but I want to tell you tonight, your best days are ahead. That God's best is out there for you. It's in the unknown. It's in the untried. It's in the unproven. And if we just have the faith tonight to believe that anything is possible, that God can use you. I tell you what, if He can use me, He can use you. (laughs) I'm an idiot. (laughs) I had no idea what what i was doing in my life i tried everything i looked in all the places to find happiness i failed at everything but all i've done is said god use me I'm, I'm crazy enough to believe that god can do it i'm crazy enough to believe that god would use me that would change me i think i don't know if you've seen that movie avatar the avatar you know and it's those blue guys that have like anyway weird story weird movie um But I just think think God's looking for avatars. He's looking for people that are like, you know what? I believe. That's why I know in a night, everything can change for your family. If you believe. The Word says that if you believe in the name of Jesus, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And I want to encourage us here tonight. I just ask everyone to stand to your feet. Dan's going to ask a few people a question in a moment. But um, what I would love to do is I'd love everyone just to raise your hands if you feel comfortable. And we're going to sing that song, Sings My Song. And we're going to sing to God. I just pray that as we sing Scripture of God's love and God's faithfulness, that you'll start praying prayers, that you'll just start singing and speaking future over your situation over your failures, over your hopes, over your dreams. Father, we come to you now, Lord Jesus. Lord, we stand here as people that, Lord, are doing our best with what we've got. Some of us, Lord Jesus, all of us, Father, are just doing what we can. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you would be who only you can be, Father, that you would do what only you can Lord, that, that blood that you shed on that cross, Lord, it's not us that makes us righteous. It's what you did, Jesus. And I pray tonight, Father, that you fill people with hope, that you fill, fill people with faith, that you fill people with peace, with joy, with, Lord, where people need to forgive people. I pray that they would forgive them tonight. Where people need to set people free, I pray that they would do that, that people would start dreaming dreams. Jesus, that you could do more than people could hope, dream or believe. In your mighty name, amen.